Hi and welcome to this edition of the Castle Bridge podcast. Uh, today it's myself and Peter again. We've we've managed to avoid having any adult supervision one time, uh, and we're going to be talking today about the wonderful world of business strategy, data strategy, the difference between tech, a technology strategy and a data strategy, and the role of of data protection in that thinking uh, as we start as organizations start pivoting and trying to figure out their business models uh, and any changes to their business models arising from the minor kerfuffle we've had since March uh, and, and indeed beyond that, uh, earlier than that, in, in other uh, parts of the world uh, arising from COVID. Um, so, Peter, the data strategy, why do organizations need to have a data strategy? I suppose because at the moment uh, there's nobody looking after data within the organizations. There's by and large people who are responsible for technology. Uh, there are more people who are responsible for the business and business strategy. Uh, but there's nobody that's actually you know, actually looking after the data and the data strategy. Uh, and to a certain extent, certainly in modern business, if you're any form of data-driven business, or if you aspire to be any form of data-driven business, if you don't have a direct link between the data strategy and the business strategy, uh, you're planning for failure. Yeah, and I think um, people like Doug Laney, ex-Gartner, now with Caserta, a good friend of mine, um, He's written in the past about the idea of information as an asset. It's something we've heard for years, but the accountants don't want us to put it on the balance sheet because it's messy and complicated to manage and, and how we and, and, and to value from an accounting perspective. But ultimately, it is the engine of what we're driving. And it's not just data-driven businesses, I think, are going to have to be learning this um, going forward. Uh, there's a big push uh, from Enterprise Ireland and from uh, the Department of Enterprise here in, Ar- in Ireland to get even small businesses trading online. But once you start going down that road of trading online, thinking about what data you need to know and what you're going to do with that data becomes really important. And understanding who your customer is and what what a customer is becomes a a key part of your data strategy. And we've seen that with clients recently, Peter, um, where they've very much started down the road of having really clever ideas about doing clever things with data but there were some disconnects with how that needed to align with their their strategy and their mission. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, they were an organization that had decided to go move forward uh, you know, on a whole electronic customer strategy without having it defined who their customers were. And what, what made me laugh in those projects that, that we've had over the past couple of months is that that's the problem I was working on over 20 years ago in the telecom sector. Uh, the joke with CRM strategy back in uh, the late 90s, early 2000s was uh, if you got 15 people from your organization into a room and asked them to define what a customer was, you get 19 to 20 different definitions. Um, and that's a, that's a key sticking point we have. And I've written a lot about it on the Castlebridge blog and on tdan.com over the past couple of months that this is a key problem we have as we move towards any sort of digital transformation in organizations of any size or scale is that it isn't a technology change it is an information and people change first and foremost and simple things like being clear not just from a, a persona perspective who is your customer but what is your customer uh, what is the primary focus of the business becomes very important and then 
out of that, what is a product? What is an address? What is a location? What is a widget? Whatever these business terms are that you're using, how you define them, model them, and map them into the systems and, and the processes you have in the organization is the difference between success and failure. What do you think? Of, yes, that's certainly, that's certainly true. But uh, I suppose, unfortunately, partly due to uh, I think the level of knowledge within the market. Uh, and also due to the fact that, you know, digital transformation, uh, you know, tends to, you know, at the moment is very much driven by the vendors and the vendors are interested in selling you a technology. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the vendors aren't really interested in whether that technology is necessarily going to fit with you, uh, nor are they in particularly interested uh, in ensuring uh, that you have done the basic groundwork in terms of data strategy, data dictionaries, data classification, and data quality uh, to be able to benefit from, uh, you know, from the, the technology that the vendor is selling. I think that's one of the key shifts we're going to see um, in the post-COVID strategy space. One of the stats coming out of uh, Gartner and a couple of other research houses over the past couple of weeks are predicting a significant cut in the uh, budgets for technology projects uh, because the, the technology spend is being put elsewhere in terms of um, supporting remote work or things like that. But that's not necessarily going sh or shouldn't necessarily lead to a, a reduction in the work from a data perspective because actually what we need to start thinking about more and more now is rather than spending lots of money on shiny tech, we need to look at what, what are the assets we have and how are we going to use them more effectively. And the key thing I keep coming back to is when I, when I look at the failure rates for digital transformation projects, which are between 60 and 84% of those projects fail. And I compare those stats from the last three or four years in digital transformation projects, and I compare them back with statistics I was looking at when I wrote my first book in 2007. The failure rates on CRM and ERP projects in the early 2000s were between 64 and 80%. And the underlying root cause for all of that was a failure to properly understand from a strategic, operational, and line management level what the data was and how it was being used. And one thing that I find it amusing and also horrifying is that I'm having the exact same conversations now about data with clients that I had 20 years ago. That's a worry for me because on one hand, the thinking doesn't seem to have moved on. And again, your point about vendors selling you a technology is well-placed. Um, as a result, the thinking hasn't necessarily moved on. But that also, from my point of view, is a great opportunity for us in Castlebridge and similar, consul similar consultancies that we, we partner with around the world to help bring that knowledge and education to bear in terms of what it actually means to be not just data-driven, but information-enabled as a business. Um, please tell me you're going to disagree with me on that, Peter, because I, I often go, I often feel uncomfortable when you're always agreeing with me. That that tells me something's wrong. Uh, no, no, no. On the, in this particular occasion, you know, we're comparatively aligned. Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking back to my days of selling CRM systems <laughs> back in the late <laughs> '90s, early 2000s, uh, and you know, certainly, uh, you know. The technology was undoubtedly the driver. 
uh, you know, from our point of view, the technology would do anything that you, know, you wanted it to. Uh, but yeah, you know, how you made that work was really very much your problem. Yeah, and I, I was the person who was having to go around with a hammer trying to knock everything into place in the systems that were sold uh, because the data just didn't fit and the processes weren't defined and there was a lack of clarity about what all these things were and what they meant. And the the, the story I'll tell from a time in the phone company was when we were rebuilding the CRM strategy and doing the ground up rebuild of the CRM strategy in the single view of customer project, we had to map all of the source data that was coming from the various systems into our database to figure out where it was and get make sure it was modeled correctly so it could be presented back to the business to solve the problem. Again, I was on the business side of this. So this wasn't being run as a technology project, albeit there was a very strong data piece to it. It was being run as a business process enablement project because that's what we did. And with one of the key business stakeholder areas, we actually identified that they had the same fact captured and modeled six times on the same screen in one system, but it was represented six different ways. Because no one had actually stopped to ask, what does this thing mean and have we already got it? From a technology point of view, they kept adding more widgets to the box without actually looking to see, do they have, do they have enough widgets? It's like me clearing out the shed over the past couple of weeks. The number of hammers I found, it's amazing. I keep buying hammers. I don't know why. Um, but until we actually mapped that back and asked, asked them which of those fields was actually the main field they needed, which was the one they used, and it turns out they used three of them for different reasons, it made a huge, it was a significant headache for migrating that data from the, leg, from, from the, the system that we were shutting down to the new system, because they had the same fact defined six different ways in the same business area and no one had realized it. And we've seen that with projects in the last couple of months, Peter, with clients, similar things where the, the definition and meaning of data just wasn't there. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, we had one client that worked off three different years. Yeah, three different that, definitions of what a year was. Yeah. and, and yeah, how, you, how can you integrate three systems you know, when they can't even agree on you know, what, you know, what the actual year is? Yeah, there's a shades of the Johnny Logan Eurovisions there. What's another year? Um, but that's incredibly common. We had that with a, a public sector project a few years ago from a data integration point of view, where the definition of income across three public sector organizations was different at a statutory level. It was defined differently, but they needed to bring that data together and compare it. And we had to punch through those assumptions to make sure that when they were integrating the data, it was being integrated in the right way. And the business rules for making decisions on that data weren't, for want of a better expression, garbage. And yes. that's that's a key change we need to I think we, we need to be seeing in the market. I think COVID is a disruptor that's making people stop and think about a lot of things. And one of the things I hope people will stop and think about is do we need to buy a new system or do we need to use the systems and processes we have better? And do we need to understand our data better and how it enables our businesses? And that's uh, how do we maximize the value of our da the data and uh, what I'm calling the, the net value? This is a concept I've been bandying around with a couple of people like John Ladley and Doug Laney recently because when you take the information security and data protection aspects of data where there is liability and risk, if we don't manage that, while at the same time as we're trying to monetize our data, so you might say there's, there's 
a thousand euros worth of value in a customer record, but there could be a million euros worth of risk if that data isn't properly managed, secured, and if it's not processed in the right way in compliance with legislation. Um, and your net value there is negative 99,000 euros if you get it wrong. Um, and I think that those sorts of concepts are things we need to be, organizations need to be thinking about, no matter what size you are, like a, a small consultancy like us, it's all about the data for us, Peter, at the end of the day. It's one thing we've been looking at internally, our own data strategy. And the net the net value of data, I think, is a, a key thing we need, organizations need to be thinking about. Um, would you agree or disagree? I'm just I'm just thinking about it from valuation point of view as to how you would um, include those sorts of liabilities. But certainly, uh, you know, from a planning perspective, yes, uh, it's something that you know all organisations should be considering. You know, what's the actual risk of holding the data that we hold, uh, and there should be a cost cost benefit analysis against that, and just whether it's actually worth holding any data at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for particular types of organization. Uh, I suppose this is a whole new route to data minimization that nobody's really thought of before. Uh, exactly. Well, like, you know, from previous work that I've done in the you know, measurement of all sorts of intangibles and valuation around intangible companies, uh, it is an area of enormous complexity and modeling. Uh, and uh, I suspect would be difficult to do until such time as is a regulatory driver. Uh, I suppose it's not dissimilar uh, to what's happening in the area's environmental impact analysis uh, and uh, the whole you know, environmental liability. Uh, you know, certainly across the world, uh, from a risk and I suppose remediation point of view. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, oil, oil price hikes and drops uh, take so long to feed into uh, the consumer system is that effectively nobody has built a refinery for the last 25 years because all of the oil companies are concerned about the liability for the cleanup thereafter. Uh, and a bit like the nuclear power stations, uh, nobody knows how much it's going to cost and consequently it's easier. Uh, not to build new refineries. Uh, so actually, you know, across the last 25 years, there's been a drop in refining capacity. Uh, one wouldn't think it given the growth in the oil industry, but that's a fact and it's driven by liability. Yeah, and again, within the oil and gas industry, the technology is relatively mature from a refining point of view, um, so that there's a certain sunk cost and, and, and sunk investment there in a diminishing asset class. Uh, but from a data perspective, and in, in data or, or organizations managing data, one of the things I, I saw a couple of years ago, an organization that was in the process of being acquired, but when the due diligence was done on their data, on their customer data, there were issues with how the data had been acquired. And the acquirer walked away from the deal because the key asset of the organization was their customer data. And because that, well, that was an intangible asset that wasn't appearing on the balance sheet, the ability to execute and actually run the business hinged on it entirely. So it was considered a significant risk from a due diligence point of view to proceed with the acquisition. And when I was in the phone company, uh, because the phone company I worked for was on the market every six or every six to eight months for about four years, uh, I was involved in a number of due diligence exercises from potential buyers that included, even back nearly nearly 15 years ago at this stage, specific questions around data protection compliance and data-related risk 
because the acquiring parties wanted to know that they weren't buying a pig in a poke. And I think what we're seeing with GDPR, one of the big changes that I, I see is, see developing out at this stage is that there is an increasing recognition of the risk-based approach to data protection and an increasing recognition of the potential commercial impacts of an organization that is about to be acquired, that is about to acquire another organization buying the risk and liability that has been built up because the entity that's being acquired didn't manage the intangible and largely unrecognized asset that is the personal data in the organization. But again, it's not just personal data, it's all data in the organization. We worked on a project recently with um, uh, an organization that had an intangible product repository uh, that, that they needed to use to drive uh, customer recommendations and the data wasn't there. That was we, we were popular when we broke that news, Peter, weren't we? Yes, we were indeed popular, but equally, you know, we've done we've done some recent work on commercial due diligence for acquisitions. Uh, and you know, it's heartening to see that you know acquirers are you know now requiring commercial due diligence on their data protection function to ensure that they're not buying a pig in the poke uh, or taking on a load of liability that they were unaware of. Exactly. So I think from a, a strategy perspective, from a data strategy perspective, we're living in interesting times. I think it's fair to say, um, and there's we have we're a, living both in interesting times and in times where a lot of organisations are going to need to catch up uh, to take account of the disruption that COVID has caused to their business models. Yeah, and, and that's one of the key key things. It is the the, the catch up that organisations need to do. We have process debt, we have technical debt, and we have data debt. And that's before we even get to the regulatory debt and the ethical debt that organizations have built up in their in their processing and business models. And that is not a technology solution. That is where you actually have to start looking at the, the asset class that is data in your organization and figuring out how important is it what and what's important and what does it mean in the organization. And that that's a people and process type of engagement, not a technology engagement. And I think as organizations are having to cut their cloth to suit their measure over the next couple of months uh, and possibly years, I think it's it, it will be essentially important for organizations to stop and think before they buy a technology, figure out what it is they are trying to do from an information perspective. And we're, I'm looking at a couple of the things we looked at in terms of uh, terrible scanning for COVID uh, back to work response, our, our paper on that, Peter, where it's a big open question whether that data is actually worth a damn from a, an infection control perspective. So is it worth spending That's money on that technology? Go ahead. That's certainly true. You know, it's I don't think it's worth a damn from you know uh, a prevention uh, point of view. It's merely to give the charade that something is being done. Yeah, like as I said to on a, on a webinar a couple of weeks ago, if I had a choice between spending money on a thermal imaging system for the office or buying more soap and masks, I'd buy soap and masks because I know they work. Exactly. Um, and I think organizations are going to be looking at their data needs at that level of pragmatic rigor um, and figuring out what they need to know, why they need to know it, and where they have it and where they where they need, where they can get it from if they don't have it already. And that brings us back to the data strategy. And it brings us back to the business strategy, Peter, as well. Um, at the risk of 
making a hand washing joke, does one hand wash the other with the data strategy and the business strategy? Undoubtedly, yeah, yeah. One cannot set a data strategy without a business strategy to go above it. Uh, but likewise, without a data strategy and the business strategy, almost certainly won't work, uh, especially in current times, as we, you know, as, as everything moves more cloud-based. Yeah, and I think from my experience, there is an element of the business strategy can be drives your data strategy, so you have your your goal cascade down. But one of the important aspects of when you get your data strategy developed. It's about identifying the limitations and the opportunities that might exist that can inform and evolve your business strategy um, and maybe change it completely. Uh, you might pivot to a completely different way of doing things. Um, Indeed, like a Nokia. But the, what, we're, what I've seen all too often is a vaguely thought out business strategy that immediately becomes a technology implementation plan without there being the bit in the middle to figure out what, what needs to be known and where does it live. And I think whether you're a small company trying to get online for the first time uh, to trade online or a large business, a large organization or a public sector body trying to integrate data across a number of areas, it really comes down to the process and the objectives of the organization and figuring out the best way of doing it within the constraints that exist from a legal and regulatory point of view and the other resources the organization might have. Um, what are the top three things you would, what, what are the top five things? Let's let's be generous to people today, Peter. What, what are the f- top five things you would suggest people need to think about from a data strategy point of view going forward, particularly as we're in a world where um, expectations are higher around data protection and privacy, regulators are starting to regulate more aggressively and more forcefully now that the, the, the lumps are being knocked off the, procedural aspects of GDPR. Um, what are the five things you would recommend based on your hard-worn experience? I'm not sure that there's necessarily, you know, I'm not sure, you know, for me, what encapsulates the whole issue is, you know, an understanding that you need to shift uh from thinking in terms of technology uh to thinking in terms of the actual information and the knowledge uh you know your data strategy should align uh with your business strategy uh and you know you should understand what it is that you're trying to do technology never provides a solution uh it may make things faster it may make things uh quicker uh, it may make things more complex, uh, but it doesn't provide the solution because the vast, vast majority of all business questions are related to people. You know, it's people in the system that causes the problems, and consequently, it's people in the system that need to be changed to fix the problems. You know, all the technology can do uh, is allow those people, allow those people. Yeah, to do whatever the the business strategy is, whatever the core function of the business, better. Uh, but without dealing with the people issues, uh, and you know, it's people issues that we, uh, as an organisation, uh, spend most of our time dealing with. Uh, you know, I, you know that get doesn't get fixed by the technology. No, and uh, one of the phrases that annoys the hell out of me over the past two or three years has been the uh, the term coming out of AI, human in the loop. Bullshit. 
The human is the loop. Everything exactly. starts with an individual having a need to do a thing, to execute a process, to deliver a function. There are various stakeholders in that in that loop, but ultimately the information value chain is the it starts with a person having a need and ends with that need being met. They are the, the human is the loop. Technology supports them. Technology may enable people, but ultimately what flows through the technology, what, what was what's used by the technology is information. And going back to your analogy about the, the oil and gas industry, Peter, the information is the uh, the data is the new oil is the, the classic metaphor that's used. It's a bullshit metaphor, but it's a classic metaphor. But we have to people keep forgetting that that's not that doesn't mean we have the technology focus. We're focusing on the oil refinery still rather than looking at, well, are we using data as oil or, or is our objective some form of fuel to, to drive motion and drive activity? Um, maybe data is the new solar power. It's lying around all over the place and all we have to do is figure out how to tap it more efficiently. Um, on that cynical bitter note, my top three things for people in terms of data uh, and this, this change that needs to be made is don't Think about it as a as a technology system. Think about it as a holistic system of the org of your organization. We need to define the language of the organization and how that fits into our strategic planning, so that when the strategic plan is being defined, everyone is clear on what the objectives are because they understand what we mean by customer. And thirdly, not getting bedazzled by the technology but actually looking at what the process is and then working out what are the things that need to be done to enable that to happen faster better more efficiently or shinier and if organizations can be pragmatic about their thinking and think about the the, the objectives rather than the tools uh they'll they'll be in a much better place at the end of the day shakespeare is not remembered for the type of quills he he used He's remembered for what he wrote using those quills. Exactly, and at the moment, you know what we seem to have, uh, you know, is you know technology companies, which might be akin to railway companies, uh, you know, laying track uh, and then telling us where the times are going to be. And that's not the way it should be approached. You know, it's up to the business to do the thinking. It's up to the business to decide you know, where the roadmap's going and then to seek technology to help them on that journey. Yeah, it's not the job of the technology to decide on the destination. Exactly. So just to close, Peter, do you think we have hope? Uh, are we finally going to start learning the lessons that we've been trying to teach people for the last 30 years in information management, that it's about the data and the people and the process and not necessarily the underlying tools? Or are we condemned to repeat the lessons of history? Well, I know who you said history is on, uh, but let, let us hope uh, that we can go against history uh, and help people think more about the data and less about the technology. Indeed. And history is written by the winners. So let's, let's hope that people step back and actually start thinking about what we need to do as a society and as, uh, as users and, and managers and governors and controllers of information to actually get some wins on the in, on, on the scoreboard rather than repeating the cycle of 60 to 84 percent failure on projects of course it's not all doom and gloom um organizations that embrace the opportunity 
uh, at this point in time to think about their data, to think about how data aligns with their business strategy and objectives, and put in place appropriate process controls, governance, and ways of working. Uh, will they have foundation for uh, future success? Uh, and this has been proven across a range of industries as a response to downturns and crises. Uh, it, it's always a good time to think about the meat and potatoes and nuts and bolts of your organization and your business. We'll be sharing some links to other materials and resources as part of the podcast post on the Castlebridge website. And we look forward to sharing more thoughts and insights with you next month on the regularly scheduled Talk Data To Me podcast. Mm-hmm.